In all your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways. Not in your good days, not in your bad days, not some ways, not part In all of your ways, and what did he say I'll do? I'll make your path straight. What did he say? He said, I'll show you exactly what your life's about. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. AZ.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Today's message is titled Knowing God, God's Plan, and Man's Purpose. So what I want you to do is I want you to open your Bible. Some of them might kind of creak open, they haven't been open for a while. So, but that's okay. That's okay. Because many of us preachers, we make people lazy. We put all the all the stuff up there. What if we just stop doing that? Yeah, bring your Bible. Okay, so turn your Bible to First Corinthians chapter nine. First Corinthians is in the New Testament. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First, Second Corinthians, and then just continue on and go into put your finger there. 1 Corinthians 9, and then go to 2 Timothy 1. And I'm going to give you your first, your first little set up here. And then when you're done there, keep your finger in those two spots because I want you to turn to the Scriptures and find them yourself. And if you're a person like me that writes in your Bible, highlight these Scriptures. Underline them. Do whatever. That way you know. If you're struggling in an area, you can go back to things. And then when you're done there, our text is going to be Proverbs chapter 3. There was a movie many, many years ago, and the movie was titled Pure Country. Yes, your pastor's a, a country boy, so I, I like country things. And so I, I watched the movie, and it was a very, it was a, it was a good movie, you know, for what it was. It was a love story. It was a, a movie about a concert a person, a singer. And uh, in the movie, there was a very stunning part that jumped out at me. Because when you go to movies with me, most people get bored because I'm looking for God in movies. I, I went to a movie one time with my wife and I, and, and we were watching, I don't remember what, oh, we were watching uh, uh, Narnia, uh, the first one, whatever it was called, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I'm sitting there, and my wife's sitting next to me, another guy's sitting next to me, and I'm explaining the biblical references to why these, this movie is going. I'm outlining Narnia for this person, how C.S. Lewis, uh, you know, depicted it. And that's kind of the way I am in movies. I'm always looking for God in movies. I don't care what kind of movie it is. 
in this movie, Pure Country, I was doing the same thing. I'm looking for it. And all of a sudden, this one line, and if you saw the movie, it'll resonate in your mind. This one line came out by the grandma character. She, she philo- philosophized. Is that a word? Philosophized? Okay, did it work? It worked. Okay, we're good. He was sitting there, the, one of the fellows were sitting there and talking to them about the answers of life, and Grandma said this profound statement. She said, in life, there are no answers, just the search. Now, what I want to tell you today is this does not equate for the Christian. This is the sad epitaph of mankind outside of Christ. They're always searching, but never finding. Yet God, in his covenant with us, he desires that we know his will. That you and I could live a life that is certain of what we're doing and where we're going. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 9. Paul is writing, and this is that that passage that talks about to the Jews that become Jew, to the Greeks that become a Greek, and it's in that same passage of 1 Corinthians 9. It's also in that same passage where he says, my grace is sufficient for you, But listen to what Paul writes, something profound. He said, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like somebody that's beating the air. In other words, Paul said, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly where I'm going, and I know exactly where I came from. In 2 Timothy chapter (coughs) 1, Paul once again is writing to a young protege named Timothy. And Paul is telling him and saying, Timothy, this is why I'm suffering the way I'm suffering. And listen to this, underline it in your notes if you would. He said, because I am not ashamed. I know whom I have believed. You hear the confidence in Paul's voice. There's many times a, a, a young Christian, old Christian for that fact, will get into these places with people And they'll ask a question or they'll make a statement and immediately doubts will start hitting to what we believe. How many have ever had that happen to you besides me? But Paul's saying, I don't have a doubt. I don't have a confusion at all. I know whom I believed. And I'm convinced he's able to guard everything I've entrusted to him till that day. Does this sound like somebody that's second-guessing God's will? Does this sound like somebody that doesn't quite have a clue of what's going on? By the time we're done today, I pray that you become Paul. To know God's will, one man said, is our greatest knowledge. To do God's will is our greatest achievement. Another man said it this way, God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, Nothing else. Proverbs chapter 3, and I'll be referring to this throughout the course of our time this morning. Proverbs chapter 3 says these words, My son, do not forget my teaching. But underline this in your, in your notes, but keep my commands. If your heart are in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Underline this in your notes. Bind them around your neck. Bind what? Love and faithfulness. Remember, the only place in the scripture where Jesus commended the Pharisees 
was in their tithe. Anything he said that nullifies all they do is because they forgot love and faithfulness. You can do all the works you want to. If you don't have love, it makes no difference. So let's go on here. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor with and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Underline that, please, in your notes. Lean not to your own understanding. And then double underline this one for me, please. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. Not in your good days, not in your bad days, not some ways, not part In all of your ways, and what did he say I'll do? I'll make your path straight. What did he say? He said, I'll show you exactly what your life's about. Somebody say amen this morning. You see, this is what this passage, if you want to take a note and just, if you write in your Bibles like I do, just take a highlighter and put a big circle around these five passages or these six verses of Scripture. Why? Because this is the root to you and I knowing the will of God for our lives. Number one in your notes, God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. How many can say amen today? Now, let me give you something that's going to kind of startle you a little bit. Because we're going to think, well, it can't be that simple. But really it is. When a man or a woman, send your notes, surrenders their life to Christ and begins to live the Christian life. See, that's a key, folks. And begins to live the Christian life. You know what he or she has done? They have simply began to yield to the will of God that he has pre-planned for their lives. You have already yielded yourself to the will of God. And that plan will begin to work itself in your life as you do what? As you begin to live the Christian life. Look at Romans chapter 8. This is one of those uh, scriptures that they pulled out of context to make a whole doctrine out of. It's called eternal security. Uh, the scripture goes on and says here in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestines. Let, let me back up. I don't have it in your notes, but write it down. The verse right before this is Romans 8, 28. We all know this, it, uh, that uh, God works together for good. All those things that are happening in our lives. So let me, so I don't quote it to you. Let me read it to you out of the, out of the scripture. Romans 8, 28. It says, for we know, oh, come on, it's right here. I'm reading out the New New International uh, Version. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Okay, now let me stop there. Are you in your Bible? Romans 8, 28. I know it wasn't on the screen, so I'm shocking some of you. Just flip back, Romans 8, 28. Let's read it, let's look at what it says. We know that in all things. It doesn't mean that it's only be good stuff. He said, in the midst of all things. I love to put it this way, that we have to do right in the midst of the wrong. We have to look for the good in the midst of the bad. Why? Because look what God says. 
in all the things that are happening, I'm working for the good. You mean the bad thing that just happened, God is going to use it for good? This is what it says, folks. Remember talking about God's will. People think bad things are happening. I can't be in the middle of God's will. You may be perfectly in the middle of God's will. And all hell be breaking loose. He said, I'm working that for the good. But listen to this. Of those who love him. How do you know if you're loving God? You're living for him. You're coming home to him. You're binding his word upon your heart. You're opening your life to him. You know you love God by the actions and the examples of the life you're living. The Bible says it this way, that we will be known by our fruits. A lot of people that like to go around says, well, judge not lest you be judged. I, I, I don't judge. But let's put that back in context. God's the judge. I'm the doer. I do his word. I don't judge his word. But the Bible did call me to be a fruit inspector. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says that somebody that calls himself a Christian but is not living the Christian life, let me get a little difficult for you. He said, don't you even spend time with them. I'm just going to let that sink for a second. Oh, I can't judge him. That's right. You don't know his heart. But the Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Folks, you know how to find the root? Look at the fruit. You want to find where somebody's plugged in, just look at the life they bring. Are, are you with me today? Okay, so he goes on here, and he says there in Romans, I'm still in 828. He said, those who love him, and listen, who have been called according to his purpose, his will. For those God foreknew. You say, well, pastor, how do I know that that's me? Because from the foundation of the world, Revelation chapter 3, verse 18 says, from the foundation of the world, Christ died. That's why we could have the saints of the Old Testament saved. Before there ever was a world, Christ was already crucified. It was already a done deal. What happened in Galatians chapter 3, he said in the fullness of time, he came born of a virgin to pay the price for our sins once and for all. Back then, they had to give the blood of bulls and goats. Come on, this is good preaching, folks. They had to give the blood of bulls and goats for everything, every situation, every year. But today, Christ died once for all. And he said, you can live my will, you can know my will, you can be in the center of my will, and hell can't do anything about it. Why? Because I foreknew you. And then I predestined. There's that word predestination. Let me break it down to simple English. The King James translators would have better translated by saying predetermined. See, the Bible says in in 1 Peter chapter 3, that he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. In the book of Romans uh, chapter 10, he said, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you flipping to those scriptures? Romans 10, 13, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. All that call upon the name. All is not a select few. 
All is not whether you're good enough or bad enough. All simply means those that call on the name of the Lord. How do I know I called on the name of the Lord? I'm living my life for the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Those he foreknew, he predestined to do what? To be conformed to the likeness of his son. Let me show you the likeness of his son. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he said, I came not to do my will, but thy will. Being conformed into the image of his son is when you say, life, you're no longer mine. Christ is. And Galatians 2.20, Paul outlined it probably better than almost any scripture. And maybe one of these days I'll take you through the book of Galatians. It's an incredible book. But Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. What did Paul say? He said, I'm dead. I'm done. In this life, it's over. I'm crucified with Christ. But this is what he said. Nevertheless, I'm still alive. Flip there with me, Galatians 2.20. Okay, just keep going in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 2, it's right in in with the Timothys and the Ephesians and the Colossians. It's all right in that little bunch there. (coughs) I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Paul's saying, I'm dead to this world but I'm still very much alive. I've given my life to Christ. I'm living my life for Christ. Not my will, but thy will. Nevertheless, I realize that I am still alive. But listen to three words. He said, yet not I. But it's Christ that lives in me now. And the life that I now live in this world I will live according to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the likeness of his Son, that he could be the firstborn of many brethren. And the first thing that Jesus did is said, Father, I'm not here to do my will. I'm here to do your will. Jesus knew his entire purpose on the earth was to bring God glory. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if he's the firstborn of many brethren, what's our will on this earth? To bring glory to God. That's our sole purpose. Well, he's a pastor. I can't, I can't act that way in front of the world. Why can't I? Why can't I be a Christian everywhere I live? Could it be that maybe I'm living some places I shouldn't be living? I'm going some places I shouldn't be going? Are you with me this morning? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. How many are still following in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 2. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? To do good works. Which God prepared when? In advance. Before you were ever saved, God prepared the Christian life that you are now living. Psalm 37 says it this way, the steps of a good man are ordered of God, and that man delights in his way. Mueller said, not only are the steps of a good man ordered, 
But the stops of that same man are ordered of God. Have you ever started to do something, all of a sudden it was like you put brakes on? Anybody besides me? I, I, I'm just going along, I'm planning on doing this, and all of a sudden, God just stopped me in my tracks. You know why God is able to do that? Because you've determined, not my will, but thy will. That's why you get that ugly check inside your spirit sometimes when you're reaching for something. All of a sudden, you're, you're going along and, and you're reaching out. And you know, man, if I could just, but all of a sudden, there's something inside of you says, Jeff, you don't need that. And all of a sudden, you, there's a battle of wills going on. Am I making sense? Am I the only one that ever dealt with stuff like this? The footsteps of good men are ordered. Guess who didn't order him to go step towards that thing? The devil orders too. But God said, I'll put a stop to this. And he, and so now he's got that struggle. And every time, it's your will or his will done. Am I making sense? Not only does God have a plan, but as I've already been telling you, he wants us to know it. Psalm 32 says, I'll instruct and teach you. Underline that in your notes, please. I will instruct and teach you in the way you should go. And then what else does it say? And I will counsel and watch over you. In the 73rd Psalm, he says, the psalmist is right. He says, you will guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into your glory. Does it sound to you the way it sounds to me? Like God is just laying his plan out clear as a bell in front of us? Is anybody getting that or is Besides me? See, God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And I think we're beginning to understand it's simpler to find than we know. Why? Because every Christian alive, let alone every human, literally has God's will at his fingertips. Scripture is referred to as the written will of God. Here is where we find God's will every day. As we read and listen, we obtain and understand what God's will is for your life and for mine. You say, well, pastor, no, it's not God's will for my life. Sure it is. If you are a Christian, it is God's will. It is God's plan. You say, well, well, what about the specificity of it? Let me read it again. As you read and listen, you will begin to obtain and understand the specificity of what it works in your life. Go back to Romans 8, 28. He works all things together for the good of those who love him. If we love him, he has no desire at all but to give us the things of the kingdom. Can you say amen? 
James 1 says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. There are colleges and schools of higher learning that are filled with people that know this better, this Bible better than you and I will ever know it as far as a literary book. But they don't have the written word of God on their lives. You say, well, how do you know that? Because they're not living it. Just like the example I was using with Jeff a moment ago or the example I could use with any man or woman in this place, myself included, is they have the opportunity to accept God's will that's written right before them or reject it because of their will that they are choosing to live in this world. Am I making sense today? Do not listen only and deceive ourselves. Do what it says. Here's the point to ponder quickly. Is written in God's word is God's unwritten will specifically for you or for me. And we get the specificity when we read, listen, obtain, and then begin to understand. Ephesians chapter 5, look at it quickly. Be very careful. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Okay, so let's stop right there real quick. He said, be careful then what? How you choose to live. Folks, I come from a family of 10, 10 brothers and sisters. I know what it is like to live on the poor side of the track. I, I remember growing up putting 10 kids and mom and dad in a two-bedroom house. Mom and dad got one room. The girls got the other room. Guess where the boys were? Anywhere they could be. I know what it's like to grow up. But I make this statement, and I make it very clearly and very understandably. I am not a victim mentality pastor. If you're here today and you feel like a victim, we can work on that and help you get saved and delivered and victorious. Okay, I got half the church said amen. If you, okay, okay, you got the picture. I can blame my mom and dad for not having lots of money. I can blame my mom and dad for where I was born. I can blame my mom and dad. I can blame my aunt and uncle. I can blame my brothers and sisters. I can blame everybody for how I was raised. But look at me and look at me clearly. I can't blame anybody for the way I live. Pat, I don't think they're getting it. I can't blame anybody for the way I live. It's my will or thy will. My God said he chose me to be victorious. My God says that in all things he will work it together for good. In all things. I might be in the, in the midst of the baddest bad, but God said I'll make it the goodest good. I might be in the, in the mess of the mess, but God said I'll make it a message. I might be in the trial of trials, but God said, I'll make a triumph. I might be in the test of testing, but God said, I'll make your life a testimony. If you'll choose my will over thy will. What do you want? God's will, your will. I can't blame anybody for the life I live. Listen to what it says. Be very careful how you live. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Every time the door opens and it's your will and God's will, which do you choose? Thy will, Lord, 
Remember, he was the firstborn among many brethren. I am part of the family of God now. What is my sole purpose in life? To bring glory to God. So guess what? When I'm reaching for something I shouldn't be reaching for, and that struggle happens inside of me, I said, nope, not today. Thy will be done, Lord. Therefore, Ephesians concludes here in the 17th verse, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's go back to Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wickedly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. You know the psalmist is saying here? Blessed is the guy that stops looking to the world for counsel, for direction, for wisdom. Can I tell you something? And I love you to death, but if you're a horoscope person, rebuke that garbage and get on with life. Folks, we don't have to look for the stars for answers. We can look to the maker of the stars for the answer. The stars don't have the answer. Jesus Christ has the answer. We don't have to look this way or look that way. Stop asking, well, you know, what, what do you think? And you know, I'll tell you a true story. I was, I was called, I was pastoring in, in, uh, in the Bay Area. I pastored there for almost 18 years. And I was invited to Stanford University to talk about Christianity. Oh, it was so fun. They were doing a course on religion. And so one of the folks in our church went to Stanford, and, and they said, Pastor, they said, I could invite you to come. Will you come? Will I? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I get a little carried away. So I went there, and they're talking about all these different religions, and all of a sudden it's my turn talking about Christianity. And I'm talking about Christianity, and, and you'll have to pardon me because I get a little forward here. This young man stood up and says, you seem to be a little narrow-minded in your beliefs. And I told him I can afford to be. I'm right. <laughs> now think about it. I got a couple hundred kids down there listening to me. And then this other boy stood up. Now you got to understand, your pastor is just this way, folks. I'm cut from a different thread. I try to be a little bit like Caleb. The Bible said he had a different spirit. I'm not trying to impress you. I love you. But you're not going to get me to heaven. God is. Are we okay, Mark? Are we good at that? Okay, good. So this boy stands up, and he said, well, I think believing in myself is all I need to do, and that's good enough, and God will understand. Now you've got to picture the boy standing up. He had red, white, blue, green, purple, lavender, every color hair you could imagine at the same time. He had, I didn't know you could pierce some of the places he was piercing. And he had chains connecting them. Anyway, I could describe him a little more graphically. But the boy's standing there, and he's telling the, that statement in front of everybody. And you might think this rude, but I said it anyway. I said, son, believing in yourself has gotten you to look that way. The boy came up to me at the end of class, and he said, you know, you're right. I don't really have anything to believe in. Can you tell me a little bit more about Jesus? Folks, there's a lot of the world, they want to know whose side we're on. They want to know if we're going to do their will or our will. Blessed is the man that sits not in the seat of the scorners, 
or the mockers or the sinners. But that man's delight is in the Lord. And on his law, on his word, he meditates day and night. Does that mean you're going to be a monk? You're going to be up in a cave someplace? No. That means simply back to the illustration I used with Jeff. I could, once again, I could use it with any of us. That means when I'm reaching forward after something, when I'm reaching out to something, I'm asking myself, my will or thy will? My will or thy will? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, my will or thy will? And you know what will happen? Pretty soon you won't ask about your will anymore because it will all be about thy will be done. Can somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place this morning? You see, the scripture goes on to say, because he meditates day and night, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Let me put it in simple terms. Whatever is in your heart, is what's going to be the guiding light of your life. Meditating on the things of God. The sad truth, if I can inject this here quickly, is that most Christians are really less desirous of God's will than they let on. I was listening to a preacher one time, and he was preaching away, and, and all of a sudden, he said, what, hap- what would happen on that day? If you said, Lord, thy will be done. You just cried that, thy will be done, thy will be. And you lift your head up, and the Lord is standing in front of you. And he asks you, do you really mean it? What would you do? See, that's a question I can't answer for you. I can answer for me. But it was a question I couldn't answer years ago in my life. Why? Because like some people in church, And I know it doesn't apply to a lot of folks in our church, and and I say that respectfully because I believe that we have a lot of people that are really growing in the things of God. But there was a time in my life, like some folks in this church right now, that we were kind of playing church. We got in our Sunday best, and we came to church, or, or we got into what we thought was our best, and we came to church, and we went through the motions. But come Monday, you couldn't tell there was a Sunday in your life. How many know Christians like that? Don't raise your hand, but how many are Christians like that? We have to sit down and say, yeah, God, I do. I mean it. No matter what, I mean it. Let me give you a good idea of those that like to play the church thing. They're the ones that are always arguing about the gray areas of the Word of God. Well, what about this place? And what about that? Does that really mean what that? Let me give you a bit of advice. In the book of John, this is not in your notes, but you can turn there if you'd like to, John chapter 20. The Bible says that there's many things that are written in this book. He said there's so many things that Jesus did in this life. If the book, the If everything would have been written in a book, the world itself couldn't contain the books. But look what it says here. But these things were written that you might believe. But these things were written that you might believe. But these things were written. What is the word telling us? Don't get caught up in the gray areas. 
Don't, don't look for the loopholes. I teach on the end times, and in our church, we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. You say, well, preacher, I don't believe that. That's fine. Here we teach a pre-tribulation rapture. And you can believe any rapture you want. I like the rapture I heard about. They say there's five theories of the rapture. Well, I've added another one. I added the pan theory. I figure it's all going to pan out in the end. But you can believe any way you want to believe. You just can't preach it in this church. But the fact is, is in proclaiming this, this truth that I find in God's word, <coughs> there's a lot of people say, well, I can find this and I can find that. That's fine. We can debate on that. Let's look at the facts. Let's look at the, the overbearing results of Scripture, and let's base on that. It was Mark Twain that made a profound statement. He said, it's not the part of the Bible I don't understand that bothers me. It's the part of the Bible I do understand that bothers me. Another man said, there's many things in the Bible I cannot understand. There's many things in the Bible that I think I understand. But he said, there's too much in the Bible I cannot misunderstand. And folks, the one truth is that Jesus Christ and him crucified is all that matters. It was Jesus, not victorious life. It was Jesus, not the Christian church. It was Jesus that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. What do we do? Well, quite simply, is we obey God's written word. We apply ourselves to God's written word first. We don't put words into God's mouth. But we put God first by falling in love with him in every area of our lives. Micah chapter 6. It's not in your notes, but you need to write it down because it's on the screen. And you need to go find it. It's back in the Minor Prophets. You start with Daniel and you go on down and about halfway through is Micah. Then you, the, I think it's the sixth book of the, the Minor Prophets is the book of Micah. And then you got another six books to Malachi. So just go to Malachi and go six books back. You got Micah, you go to Daniel and go six the other way. You got Micah. But listen, listen to this. A lot of us sit back and say, Pastor, what kind of life am I supposed to live? Can you just put it in plain, simple terms? Yeah. Out of God's word. The story unfolds here where God is speaking to the Israelites, talking to them about goodness and godliness and living a life for God. And they start saying, God, what do you want from us? You want 10,000 rivers of oil? Go to Micah, you'll find the story in chapter 6. Do you want the fat of rams? Do you want all of these? What do, you, do you want our firstborn children? What do you want? Look at me, please. God's will for your life. Look at it. Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. That word humbly comes from the Hebrew word that says to walk in circumspect. Walk with caution in your life. My wife blames me sometimes of being like a bull in a china closet. I just plow through life. I can afford to. I know exactly where I'm going. But even in that, 
I'm still very cautious. I'm very circumspect because I know around every corner can be a temptation. I know around every door can be an opportunity disguised to be good. But willing, or really, is a ravening wolf in sheep's clothing. What does he tell us to do? Pastor, just make it simple. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Folks, God's will for your life and mine is not very deep. Not very deep. If it was, he wouldn't have called us sheep. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.